Good morning, dear Bodhisattvas. Um, here in Sashin, uh, we're devoting ourselves to Zazen. And you know, sometimes we devote um, part of our day or maybe almost all of our day to activities where we, we might feel like I know what I'm doing. Uh, Zazen's not like that. There's no knowing what Zazen is. And there are, um, we have pointers. Zazen is sitting upright and still. I can attend to my breath. I can totally uh, be here. Um, I can work with rain, recognizing, accepting, investigating, non-identifying. And still zazen is not something I know. And Soto Zen especially is a lineage of caring for zazen as an endless koan, an endless genjo koan, an endless koan of manifestation or koan of actualization from uh, realization. And one of the ways Dogen brings up the koan of zazen is this non-duality of practice and realization. So zazen is like practice realization or practice based on realization or realizational practice or the practice of awakening. And so in Genjo Koan, Dogen brings this up with the story of Bauche. So Zen Master Bauche of Mount Mayu was fanning himself. A monk approached and said, Master, the nature of wind is permanent and there is no place it does not reach. Why then do you fan yourself? Although you understand that the nature of wind is permanent, Bauche replied, you do not understand the meaning of its reaching everywhere. What is the meaning of its reaching everywhere? Asked the monk again. The master just kept fanning himself. And the monk bowed deeply. So I think Dogen's really um, concerned for how we care for Zazen and how we might be deluded or dualistic about practice and realization. Or how, how my ideas about practice and realization can be kind of behind and directing my practice or out front. And like, what 
practice is looking at. So there's this uh, illumination of delusion and dualistic knowing. So do I see um, some duality or a gap between the nature of wind and fanning? Do I believe in some separation between practice and awakening? And part of, part of what I think is kind of powerful in this koan is Bauche, he teaches a little, but then his, his, real, his real offering is just, just to fan himself, just to demonstrate. Because the knowing, we don't know the non-duality. We don't understand it, and then we can practice it. It just lives through the practice. It lives through actually practicing. So there's no, we have no other way to do this in our tradition except lots and lots of zazen. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm fanning myself or I'm studying the self. I'm doing zazen, sitting upright. I might be attending to my breathing or my bodily sensations, my feelings. I might be practicing this like rain, recognizing, accepting, investigating, non-identifying. And I'm doing these as practice realization. We're doing them as what awakening does rather than what I'm doing to get awakening, or rather what I'm doing to get anything. And in some ways, this is kind of, kind of strict. And it, it's not that Dogen is strict or that Zazen is strict. It's just if I'm, if I'm here for something else, I'm not fully here. If I'm sitting to get something, I'm not totally here. And so my, my love and my giving is not complete. And so Dogen's offering this kind of spirit of practice realization is, it's like this is the, um, the inner breath of Zazen. And dualistic grasping is arising constantly. So it's not that I stop that, but I illuminate it. So it's not behind me. It's not like running the show. Oh, I'm trying to get something. So I'm studying, I'm studying my delusion. Dogen says, don't sit zazen for yourself. 
don't sit zazen for others. I just sit zazen for the sake of zazen. And so how is that? And so there's effort. But the, the, the effort is its own result. It's just, it's just giving. And so this is Bauche's fanning himself using this opportunity with this monk to demonstrate this like the nature of wind. So we can't grasp true nature. We can't, we can't know the nature of the wind. And it's not a thing. And it's, it's not fixed in any way. And it wants to live through me. Or I want it to live as me. To, to manifest in my body, in my uh, stillness, in my movement, in my face, in my heart, in my belly, in my presence, in how I'm here, in how I relate, in how I respond. Um, almost 30 years ago, um, I was at Tassajara during practice period and uh, went for Doksan with Reb. And I sat down and um, he said, what is it? And I was like, I thought like, it? <laughs> um, and I didn't say anything. And then he yelled, what is it? And I panicked more, <laughs> just frozen. And then he said, what is it? <laughs> and I, and um, so then I melted. And then I just said, I want to be awakened. And he said, how long have you had this problem? <laughs> yeah, so this problem, this problem of trying to get awakening, of being dualistic about awakening, or to, to get being okay, or to get escape from my problems. So how do I find my place where I am? How do I really trust here is the place? Here the way unfolds. And so this isn't the path of trying to get something or get somewhere, but a path of, of 
about giving and receiving. And, you know, bottomless giving and receiving. And, you know, and the giving is receiving and the receiving is giving. So in Genjo Koan, a, a fish swims in the water and a bird flies in the sky. They're in their elements. It's like, what is the element of a Buddha? What is the medium that awakening lives in? And there's a teaching that Buddha sits in the midst of fierce flames. So fierce flames are the medium. And, you know, sitting in the fierce flames, this is a way of love. And the Buddha is life. And the fierce flames are life. And life must be the Buddha. And life must be the fierce flames. Don't look for life somewhere else. Don't look for awakening or practice realization or reality or the way of love somewhere else. So what, what are the flames uh, you're sitting in? What's, what's the difficulty or the challenge or the suffering of self and or other or, and this world? And the heartbreak and confusion, harm and violence, mistakes, fear, dread, insecurity, you know, intimately, you know, feeling through. Recognizing and accepting. Opening uh, the heart. And breathing in, breathing into the flames. Not separating, not objectifying, not distancing. You know, being this person, being this Buddha in the middle of the fierce flames, finding my seat in the center. You know, finding the middle. It's a, you know, not distracting, bypassing, transcending, 
sinking, abiding. And this is intimacy. <clears throat> and it's not really something I do. I can't make it happen. It's not, it's not something I control or manipulate or manage. And it's, but it's also not passive. The Buddha sits in the middle of great heartbreak. And finding the center of heartbreak, practice becomes Genjo Koan. Or the Koan is realized. All the gates are open. This is like give, the giving and receiving, complete circulation, nonstop giving and receiving. Grace Sung gave a talk last week, and in Wan Buddhism, you know, rather than a Buddha on the altar, they have a circle, and you know, Zen-like circles. There's like the Enso. And Dogen talks about the circle of the way. And I, I don't feel like this circle is like a static thing. I think there's like lots of movement in this circle. Unbounded giving and receiving. constant circulation. A circle has no beginning or end. No beginning or end to giving, no beginning or end to receiving. But if I'm not fully giving, I can't appreciate the circle. And today is Rohatsu, the eighth day of the 12th month. And this is the day that Buddhist traditions of East Asia honor Shakyamuni Buddha's awakening. And in uh, Soto Zen, Zazen, is, it's a ritual enactment of Buddha's awakening. We're performing Buddha's awakening. And Rohatsu Sashin, especially an enactment of Shakyamuni's practice under the Bodhi tree. And there's a non-stop life-giving circle between Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree and our sitting here. And it includes um, music lessons. <laughs> and we, and the music lessons give new life to Buddha's awakening. And Buddha's awakening gives new life to us. 
And this is like in Bauche fanning himself. And it's like awakening, enacting awakening, the circle, the circle of the way. And you know, finding the center of my pain, sitting, you know, in the middle of my wound and relaxing into the center or um, softening. And it's not a defeat. It's not becoming passive. It's, it's a giving up, supported by, you know, sitting upright, you know, with, with um, vigor and enthusiasm, feeling through grasping and allowing it to release with like a, a, it's an act of giving, like a generosity of presence. Very respectful and kind. And, you know, respecting this pain, respecting this wound, respecting this heartbreak. My pain is not just my pain. My wound is not just my wound. My heartbreak is not just my heartbreak. Whole worlds are there. Whole histories. Life is here. Awakening is here. Intimate practice with all beings is here. So here is the place. Here the way unfolds. Deeply respecting here. You know, so before we sit, we bow to our seat. We bow to here. And we, we bow away. And this bowing to here and to the universe supporting here to be here, this is... This is um, this is also zazen. This doesn't stop when we sit down. And so, you know, we join the palms. This link embodies non-duality. And in zazen, we have our, our cosmic mudra, the thumb tips, you know, just uh, lightly touching. And making this oval, almost like a circle. And embodying wholeness. And we call it the cosmic meditation mudra or dharma datu. It includes the whole universe. Dharma datu is the, the realm of of everything. 
So whole worlds are here. A vast ocean is here. The whole moon and the entire sky are here. And the center of the flames is not exactly a, a thing or a static place, but there can be settling of finding my seat, finding my place where I am. I've really released all the ways I leave my seat or turn away from or try to get around you know, the center of my pain and heartbreak and you know, really land here or as Sarah said on the first morning, you know, arrive And when we really arrive, we can, um, we can investigate. You know, so turning the light around to illuminate the self. So the mind is involved in grasping objects. I'm the thinker or I'm the experiencer over here, and then there's the, the thought of, the experienced. And when we find our seat, there's an offering to practice investigation and non-identifying. And to think back to the mind that thinks, or to, to turn the mind around to think backwards from objects to the thinker or the thinking. And this is not something we can really do, but you know, somewhere between like allowing it to happen and feeling into it you know, very gently, we can open to this turn the light around and study the self in this way. And allow a non-identifying. And allow this, this subject-object relationship to revolve. Once there was a Chan teacher named Fayan, and um, there was a the director in his monastery was um, Xuanzi, and uh, Xuanzi never asked to have Doksan. and so Fayan, after three years, said, um, uh, "You know, I guess it was Jisha. No, go get that guy." Um, and he asked him, like, why don't you, uh, why don't you ever ask me about things? 
And Schwentz said, well, I dare not deceive you. Uh, when I was at uh, Ching Feng's place, I realized the peace and joy. And Fian asked him, well, through what words were you able to enter? And Schwentz responded, I asked Ching Feng, what is the self of this student? And Ching Feng said, the fire child comes seeking fire. And Fayan said, those are good words, but I don't think you understand them. <laughs> and Shuenza said, the fire child belongs to fire. Fire seeking fire is just like self seeking self. And Fayan said, now I really know you don't understand. You know, if this is the way that Buddha Dharma is, or, you know, if this is, if the Buddha Dharma was like this, it would not have lasted till today. And Shuenza was really upset. And he kind of walked out of the monastery right then. And, you know, but as he was kind of starting to go down the path, he thought, you know, this guy has like 500 students. Um, maybe he has a point. <laughs> and so he turned back and returned and he went back to Fayan and he apologized. And Fayan said, why don't you ask me? And Schwenza asked, what is the self of this student? Fayan said, the fire child comes seeking fire. <laughs> And then it says, now Schwinza understood. <laughs> <laughs> so he was confused. He was, he was caught by some idea of true nature, of the fire child seeking fire. And somehow in his understanding, he stopped seeking. Or, you know, to borrow Yoko's phrase from yesterday, he stopped bringing the fire. The fire child is bringing the fire. And so Fayan poked him. You know, this is not about a circle of water. This is not about something you know. This is a koan. This is about the ocean. This is about how awakening is doing the fanning. This is not something we get. This fire is seeking fire. You know, when the fire is seeking fire, it's not seeking to get something. It's just the seeking of the fire. And so some, sometimes I feel like, well, call something a koan. And for me, this is like, 
the whole point is like, this isn't an answer. Because the answers, the answers are the end of seeking. Answers are where seeking stops. Colons are where seeking starts. And this is the beginning of, you know, practice realization. Awakening, seeking awakening. Through Zaza. Through our presence. Through our hearts opening with compassion. Through a deep, compassionate regard for self and others. And so this Soto Zen, this Zazen, this is a practice of dynamic non-duality. This is part of why we, you know, we, we, know, we don't know it. We can't pin it down. Any way we pin it down is dualistic. So Zazen is alive. Traps and snares can never reach it. And so sitting in these fierce flames, what is the refuge? What is taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha? What supports me to find my place? To sit in the middle of the pain. What supports intimate presence? How do I care for Genjo Koan as a koan of loving fully? You know, where, where is Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha? Where are uh, the bodhisattvas? Where are the ancestors? And when it's, when it's hard, or when I don't feel supported, or nourished, or vitalized, I can call out for help. And in Sashin, we have this practice of silence. You don't need to call out loud. And this calling is actually, it's not the kind of calling where um, there's an ear at the other side of the calling. So it, it can just be inward. I can call for help. And then be open to the, a response. And not necessarily a response that's somewhere coming from somewhere else. But that just, you know, part of what can be hard is if I'm thinking I'm doing this by myself. If I feel uh, isolated. If I'm, you know, carrying this self around and dealing with this self's 
heavy stuff. And just calling out can be a you know a gesture you know towards like loosening up the feeling of disconnection. And we don't really need to build connection or make connection. All we are is connection. And you know, as soon as we call out for help, we're starting to open to the connection that's here. The ocean of relationality that's here. You know, so when I call out, I'm starting to open to the circle of the way, the endless giving and receiving. And this is, this is part of our practice. So like one of the things we chant, the Enmei Juku Kanongyo, we say, Kanzeyon. We're calling out to Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of great compassion. And we don't chant chapter 25, the Lotus Sutra, but Soto Zen temples in Japan chant the chapter 25, the universal gateway of Kanzeyon Bodhisattva. And this, this um, verse goes through many dire predicaments and says, just call or invoke or um, bring to mind Kanzeyong. Call for help. And I also feel this in the Ehe Kosu Hotsugan, what we but we chanted to open up the, the talk. You know. Receiving help from Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and ancestors. You know, confessing and repenting in this way, one never fails to receive profound help from all Buddhas and ancestors. By revealing and disclosing our lack of faith and practice before the Buddha, we melt away the root of transgressions by the power of our confession and repentance, you know, by the by the circle of the way, part of part of our ritual of giving a talk is the speaker comes in does three bows, and it's really nice. It's like, you know, help me, help me, <laughs> help me, <laughs> and so calling for help, and also. Confessing, confessing my difficulty and letting go of expectations of what the helping response is. Because the most helpful, the, the, the liberating response is not my idea of what would be liberating. My idea is always smaller. And, you know, awakening is calling out to awakening. We're building that faith. Fire is seeking fire. You know, this is a very a tender and vulnerable thing. And just, you know, allowing that, like, allowing that this doesn't make sense. Or to be patient with something ungraspable. And this, you know, patience actually is like, it's very close to wisdom. 
and zazen can be a call for help. Or I also thought I thought of like playing Marco Polo. You know, with the universe. <laughs> and I'm in the water. I'm in the fierce flames. And my eyes are closed. I'm in the mystery. What's happening here? Upright, sitting upright, just calling out Marco. How, what is, where is the polo? <laughs> or Kanzeon, or help, or I want to be enlightened, or fire seeking fire. There's a koan in the gateless barrier about a, a teacher who just call out to himself throughout the day. Charlie, are you here? Are you present? And you know, where is the calling coming from? Where is the response coming from? And the jewel mirror samadhi subtly included within the true inquiry and response come up together. The drumming and singing come up together. Yeah, but already included in the truth. You know, the nature of wind is ever present and all pervasive. Yeah, so you might try, you might experiment with calling out, or calling in, or calling forth, or calling through, and calling ancestors, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, Kanzeon, and this and Zazen can be calling out, and bowing can be calling out, offering incense can be calling out. So Shinryu Suzuki Roshi was the teacher, Japanese teacher who came to the United States, founded San Francisco Zen Center, and it's kind of it's where our lineage comes from. Uh, came in, I think, 59, and in early December of 1971, he was dying. And uh, he took his last breath uh, during the first period of Rohatsu Sashin that year. And I think there's kind of a feeling that like, he really wanted to make it to the beginning of Sashin. Because maybe if he died before Sashin, maybe they'd cancel Sashin. And then also, like, if he made it to Sashin, he's like, okay, you, you've got Sashin to kind of, to kind of meet my death. And so I kind of, I feel like in my breathing in, in Rohatsu, I feel like Suzuki Roshi's last breaths. And you know, this teaching of his death. You know, but like, what are what are we doing here? Thank you very much. May our intention Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. 
For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.